Good morning, listeners, and Merry Christmas. Welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, a Come and See Inspirations production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the programme this Sunday morning, Feast of the Holy Family, the first, the Sunday falling within the octave of Christmas. And uh, manning the decks this morning and making sure everything actually works in the background is our editor this morning. Good morning, John Keeley. Good morning, Shane. How are you? Not too bad. Got, Christmas good? Yeah, Christmas. We got through the Christmas in one piece and didn't eat too much. Good. You've got loads of reflections and loads of stuff to tell us about today. And to well, I don't have to worry too much about it because as we, <laughs> as we said on our Christmas Day programme, we had an abundance of blessings this year with reflections from people. So we have some of them which we've carried over into today's programme. Very appropriate, some of them, because it is, of course, we're still in the octave of Christmas. So we're delighted to join us this morning, listeners, especially those of you that are housebound, are lonely, are struggling in some way today. And we are very grateful always for those listeners who continue to support us in prayer. As usual, our program goes broadcast on West Limerick 102 at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. And the podcasts of Sacred Space 102 are available on our Come and See Inspirations podcast page. You can Google us and we're there on Buzzsprout. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, Google platform, Google podcasts and other platforms so uh, uh, before we dive into the reflections that we have on this week's program we just want to share with you this morning um, the spiritual communion prayer very appropriate for many people of course at this time because of the restrictions on attending public liturgies as we know the best way to receive Christ is in Holy Communion at Mass yet for those times that you can't get to Mass um, you can still reach out to him by making a spiritual communion in prayer. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. And so we now come to our first reflection, John. And who do we have? We have Father, Father Connor McDonough. And Father Connor is going to be followed by a good friend who joined us early on, during the, uh, sorry, later on, sometime in Advent, Sister Dolores Brophy, and finishing off this section, a uh, good friend, Noreen Lynch. So we've got three. Three very enjoyable. I hope, folks, you enjoy the, uh, the reflections this morning. So now, at this point of the programme, we'd like to welcome back Father Connor McDonough to share his reflection for us on this Christmas morning. Thanks, Father Connor. Brothers and sisters, a happy and peaceful Christmas to you all. What image sums up for you the peace of the first Christmas night? Is it Mary with Jesus in her arms? Is it the angels lighting up the night sky? For me, it's the ox and the ass, lying down at the feet of their creator, with none of the guile and cynicism of the human race, simply resting in his presence. The ox and the ass are not mentioned in the Gospels, of course, but they're very biblical in their own way. The Bible often speaks about God by speaking about the world he made, stars, trees, rocks, and animals. One of the Psalms praises God as the Lord of creation, describing him stretching out the heavens making the clouds his chariot, riding on the wings of the wind. He made the mountains and the valleys, the psalm goes on. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They give drink to all the beasts of the field. 
the wild asses quench their thirsts. There the birds of heaven build their nests. From the branches they sing their song. You make the grass grow for the cattle. The trees of the Lord drink their fill. For the goats, the lofty mountains. For the rabbits, the rocks are a refuge. All these creatures, all of them made by God, all of them provided for by him, all of them living in good order under his peaceful care. That's a beautiful vision. But the Bible is aware, too, that there's violence among the animals, that there are enmities between beasts. Lions do not, generally speaking, make friends with lambs. So in the world of animals, we find a certain peaceful harmony, but strife as well. So the prophet Isaiah when he prophesies about the coming Messiah, he dares to dream even of reconciliation among the animals. You all know the passage. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. This final reconciliation of creation won't take place until the end of time when the world is remade and there is a new heaven and a new earth. But we get a taste of that final peace in the life of Jesus. He makes peace between humanity and God by his death on the cross. But even before that, he was making peace. Think of how he brought order out of disorder when he healed diseases. And he even calmed storms. Silence, he said to the storm, be still. The peacemaking work of Jesus will eventually bring peace to all creation. But it was first manifested to the world on Christmas night in Bethlehem. That's why it's so fitting that Christmas folk stories often involve animals who recognize Jesus, like the ox and the ass in the crib, or the Robin Redbreast in Irish tradition. In the Middle Ages, a little poem became popular in French, Italian, and Portuguese. It tells of a rooster, a cow, a goat, and a donkey having a conversation on Christmas night. They know something amazing has happened in Bethlehem, but they're not sure what to do. The donkey eventually announces his plan in one word, Eamus, let us go sounding in Latin a little bit like the donkey's hee-haw. But my favorite of these stories is told in a traditional Christmas carol from Catalonia, El Cant del Ocells, the carol of the birds. You'll hear one beautiful setting of this piece in a moment. It tells the story of a whole flock of different birds attracted by this bright light over the stable in Bethlehem. As they fly over the scene, they see and they understand what has happened, and they start singing. The eagle flies up high and sings to all the world that Jesus is born. The sparrow and the greenfinch hop about saying, what joy we feel, what joy we feel. The linnet sings, sings about the beauty of the child. The thrush sings, death is now conquered, my life now begins. The nightingale sings that this child is more brilliant than the star. The canary and the wren sing of the glory of the Lord. The woodlark gets all the birds singing more loudly, 
The dawn is here, he says. We're birds. It's our job to announce the dawn, so let us sing. The blackbird hops up to Mary and whistles. The blue tit says that springtime has happened in the middle of winter. The turtle dove sings for once without any sadness. The partridge says he's going to make a nest in the stable to keep an eye on the infant. The chaffinch whispers glory today and glory tomorrow. And the owls seeing the sunrise before them, Christ the rising sun, they close their eyes and fly away confused. What is the sun doing out in the middle of the night? This story is imagined, of course, but it communicates a vital truth. The child born in Bethlehem is no ordinary child. He is the creator born as our brother in the midst of his creatures. He is the peacemaker beginning his work. At Christmas, the creator comes close to us. When we receive him in our hearts, when we draw him close, we are in a sense drawing closer to all of his creatures, not only to our fellow humans, but to the trees and the stars and the birds and the ox and the ass. I think this is why around Christmas, I always become more aware that I am a creature among creatures, that there is a peace around me, a God-given order in nature. When I celebrate Christmas, the natural world seems to smile at me. I feel more inclined every Christmas to give glory to God with every tree and bird and to spread and announce his peace to all creation, to friends and enemies, to wolf and lamb, to lion and calf. Father Conor McDonough, thank you so much for that. And maybe here at Sacred Space, wish many blessings and happiness this Christmas. Thank you very much.
So for our next reflection, uh, we are delighted to have joined us again Sister Dolores Brophy, who's a Sister of Mercy in the Mallow, in Mallow, and she's also a member of the North Cork Bereavement Group. Sister Dolores, I'd ask you to share this reflection with us this morning. Thank you. Good morning, John. So today I'm going to share with you uh, something about grief at Christmas. And before the reflection, I want to acknowledge that today, Christmas Day, can be a very difficult day for those who have lost loved ones during this past year, or indeed many years ago, or recently, due to COVID-19. Christmas is a time of gift giving and gift receiving. Today, I invite you to think of the gifts that you have that have been passed on to you because of your loved one. I invite you to reflect on the qualities that your loved one brought out in you. And how are you using those qualities in your life? What feelings do you notice within you just now? Maybe you are feeling sad. Acknowledge the feeling, whatever it is. Right now, do you sense any feeling of gratitude or gratefulness for the gift your loved one was in your life? How are you a better human being today because of your loved one? Some time ago, I was delighted to come across an American media YouTube video, which was an interview with Joe Biden on faith, Pope Francis and politics with an interviewer, a Jesuit interviewer, Matt Malone. In this video clip, Joe speaks about how he dealt with the loss of his son, Bo Biden. When Joe was asked about the role of loss and tragedy in his life, he spoke about how he was supported by faith, family and friends. He looked at the interview viewer and he, and he also asked him or referred to Father Matt's own grief at the loss of his brother. And he also told us how it was Matt's father as a first responder to an accident found his son to be the one dead. When speaking about his grief and loss, Joe pointed out that as a family, they were so lucky with all the support they received. He spoke about other families who had not received such support. Because of his public role, so many people offered sympathy and support to the Biden family. Bo, his son had been involved in working for the rights of abused children before he died. So many people had been touched and inspired by the work of Bo. The uplifting affirmations and appreciation of Bo led the family to a place where they didn't want to be talking so much anymore about the loss, but about Bo's inspiration and work for abused children. He then describes 
how the Biden family set up a foundation for abused children and for the cause Bo cared so much about. This is where they wanted their energy to go as they honoured the life of Bo Biden. I noticed that the Biden family had found a way of continuing their bonds with, with Bo. And they were also trying to find meaning in their loss. I just want to note that continuum bonds and meaning making are both ways or methods of grieving which come naturally to us. Now to another invitation to you today. Maybe there is some cause that your loved one supported or was passionate about. How, would, how do you think your loved one might like you to continue their work in small ways in honour of him? Could you help any charitable cause this Christmas time in memory of your loved one? Maybe you could do something small as a family that would make a difference to the life of someone worse off than yourselves. Could this be a way of giving a gift to your departed loved ones this Christmas? Now, on a different note, I offer some suggestions for this Christmas day to honour the person you are, as well as to honour the grief that you may be feeling right now. Whether you are alone or with others, it's a good idea to have some kind of a structure around your day. Give voice to your soul in some way. You're doing that or already having attended Mass and you're now listening to the Come and See Inspirations. Take care of parts of your day you can. Time for eating, time for TV, a little walk or whatever that comes your way from family and friends. Give yourself permission to feel whatever you feel. Maybe a sadness, a depression, an anxiety, a fear. You could be feeling very lonely at this moment. Let all of these feelings come and acknowledge them and then try to let them go. Maybe by the practice of maybe breathing out all your negative feelings and breathing in your positive thoughts. Above all, be gentle with yourself and be compassionate, especially if intrusive thoughts come to the fore, which they, which can come after grieving or any kind of a loss. Maybe you would like to spend a little time now being grateful for all the good things you already have. Also, you might like to spend a little time in quiet prayer. If you have the fire sit the, on, all the better, as you, and, as you, and sit still for a while. A little snooze would be helpful if you're on your own, find things too hard to take. Or it's important. This is important to turn to others for support when you feel like a connection. Maybe you could connect with someone who may need a telephone call this day. But above all, harbour hope. You will not always feel sad and the pain so sad and the pain will ease. You won't always feel your loss so strongly. I know that's hard to, t believe, hard to take now, 
hard to believe, but it does happen. In death, we lose the person we love, but never the relationship we had with them. Now a quote from Helen Keller. What we have once enjoyed and deeply loved, we can never lose. All that we love deeply becomes a part of us. To end, another quote, and this is from Cahill Gibran. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. And the self-same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with tears. The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. May all our listeners find many little joys in this Christmas day. God bless all of you. So thank you so much again, Sister Dolores, for, for sharing that reflection with us. And we'll now play a beautiful piece of music just to, just to accompany that as we finish off. And this is by Dan Moen and it's entitled A Christmas Prayer. The lights of the city shine bright, red and green, but sometimes the season is not what it seems in heartache or joy. Let me rest in your care Be near me, Lord Jesus This is my Christmas prayer The wise men brought treasures The shepherds bowed down Angels were singing their glorious sound I have no great riches no gift to impart what can I give you Lord I will give my heart be near me Lord Jesus I ask you to stay close by me for Close be my light, show the way. Bless all of your children, we need your embrace. We hunger for mercy and long for your grace. Our grateful devotion is all we can bring we praise you we bless you jesus our savior and king be near me lord jesus i ask you to stay close by me forever i pray through the storm the night, hold me close, be my light, oh, 
So at this point of the programme, it's my privilege and delight to be able to welcome onto the programme again a good friend of ours who's joined us over the years to inspire us with some reflections and, and words of wisdom and so on and so forth. Now, Noreen, was that a nice little introduction? Noreen Lynch, good morning to you. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> You're welcome. Lovely to be here, and thank you so much. Noreen, thanks a lot, of course. People might remember Noreen was in the diocese for so, so many years. Noreen, you're down the country somewhere now. What, what, are, you, what are you doing I now? I am in Dublin, actually. Uh, so I'm in Glasnevin. I work with the Holy Faith Sisters, who have a beautiful spirituality centre called the Margaret Aylward Centre in Glasnevin. It backs onto the Botanic Gardens. So people keep asking me, have I gone to the city? And I say, no, I'm actually more rural than I probably ever was. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Stunning. Noreen. Thank you, Noreen, thanks a lot indeed for joining us today. And Noreen's going to give us a, a beautiful little reflection today, just suitable for this lovely feast of the Holy Family. So, Noreen, whenever you want to head off. Thanks, John. So, please, God, what I share will be just take from it whatever is helpful to you and ignore whatever isn't. So, this Sunday is the Feast of the Holy Family, and in year B, which is this year, we listen to the story of Simeon and Anna, the two older believers who met Jesus, Mary and Joseph at the temple when Mary and Joseph came to present their precious firstborn son to God. You can imagine the scene. Jerusalem was a busy city and Simeon and Anna, like many others, were about their daily chores. The temple at the heart of it all was full of people. They were talking and moving, selling and buying, laughing, crying. And into this noisy city steps a country couple, not long wait, holding a baby. If anyone even noticed them, they would assume they were unremarkable people, here to receive the everyday blessing that everyone came for for this new child. They moved through the crowds, heading towards the temple like so many before them. Now, Simeon was an old man, one who'd been faithful to God. There's many stories in our tradition about his life, and what he did but this we do know for sure Simeon was a good faithful man and he believed that God would not let him die without seeing God's promise for Israel fulfilled and on this day the spirit inspired Simeon to go to the temple and there when he saw this unremarkable couple somehow Simeon just knew he knew he was looking at God's promise for Israel and that it was good he took the child in his arms and looking at the child, these words poured out of his heart. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people, Israel. Mary and Joseph were just speechless at these words. Just as you and I might be if someone came and held our child and captured these, this, the, the joy and the beauty of this new life in such a precious way. 
So let's take a moment with these words, words we now call the Nunc words so beautiful that they're prayed daily across the world as part of our night prayer. Thousands, maybe millions of people pray these words before bed each night. They pray, now, Master, let your servant go in peace. You have fulfilled your promise. My own eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light to bring Gentiles from the darkness, the glory of your people Israel. And in the New Message translation, God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see a God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people, Israel. So we listen to the words of Simeon with music.
As we listen to these beautiful words, sometimes we're tempted to think they're words about death or end times because Simeon was an older man. But was Simeon praying to die? No. We are seeing as if through new eyes all God has done and is doing. Simeon was seeing what God had done and was doing. And when we pray this prayer at the end of our days, before we go to sleep, we are looking around and saying, you keep your promises, God. Amen. You keep your promises. And because of his faithful focus on God, because Simeon kept God at the centre of his life, in his heart, Simeon could see more clearly than those around him. Those who were busy with work and life missed it. But the old man had young eyes and a soft heart. He saw Jesus and he just knew. This precious gift of sight is not unique to Simeon. Have you held a child and just knew they were blessed and beautiful and loved by God? Have you stood on a mountain, breathed deep and just knew that the world is precious and there's more to it than just stones and sand? Have you watched a flower or a plant grow this year, marvelling at its life force and just know that God reveals God's self in nature so that we might know we are loved? If you've had any of these moments, then you too can pray with Simeon, praying, with my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. Simeon had a precious gift to recognise the baby Jesus. But each of us has eyes to see and hearts to know when God is present. In kindness, in beauty, in stillness, Simeon was brave and free enough to say it out loud. May we too be brave when we see God in the world and say, God bless us, isn't that just perfect? Or, thanks be to God. The Feast of the Holy, Spirit, of the Holy Family sorry, is celebrated after Christmas, and at one level, it should be this huge feast day in a parish when, when else do you have whole families at home and on holidays full of festive cheer and possibility? But in truth, it often gets lost, as many things do between Christmas Day and New Year's Eve, not because we're modern or have forgotten, but just because we're exhausted. We're usually so busy that we just forget this feast day. So this year is a little different. It's been a strange year, really. The usual rush that we complain about is absent. Maybe we miss that rush. The normal parties that we plan, complain about or enjoy, they couldn't happen in the same way. So perhaps it was tempting not to bother at all. Maybe we're tempted to wish the time away, to exhaust ourselves with novelties or movies or time wasters in the hope that the new year will bring us healing and hope. But in the middle of the tough times, we've also had moments of joy and hope, haven't we? In the middle of what seemed impossible this year, we've had times where it was possible to slow down, to mind each other, to be the person we'd like to be if only everyone wasn't so busy. This year, a lot of people baked bread, took up a hobby, walked with their children, wrote cards to people they couldn't visit, cooked, ran, lived. Christmas has been different too, in some ways special, in some ways lonely, in some ways unique, in some ways ignored. If nothing else, we have a chance this year to look at our Christmas traditions and expectations and really think about what matters, what matters for our family, what matters for ourselves and where we want to put our energy next year. 
next year will I be exhausted again just because everyone is next year will I look on everything with new eyes and see something different Simeon lived among the people in Jerusalem not in a hermitage he didn't recognize Jesus because he was separate he kept his eyes on God and so he recognized God at work in the world when God showed up maybe the invitation as we look back on Christmas now and wonder what it all meant, as we wonder about this feast of the Holy Family, is how can I keep my eyes on God? How can we keep our eyes on God this winter? Can I recognize God's love in the people around me, in the family I've been given, in the home I live in? Can I thank them when I notice that I am loved and cared for? Can I notice God's beauty in a forest walk or as I look out of my window at nature? Can I be surprised? by the creativity of God? Can I see God's grace in the people in my family and home at work blessing us, minding us, making us better people? Can I keep my eyes on God as God keeps God's loving eye on me? Probably the way we have learned this year to stay present is to stay simple. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that there's a lot to be said for simple pleasures. When we take away a lot of our busyness, we can see what matters. Family, shelter, food, health. Simple things can wake us up to what really matters. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It is now out in the open for everyone to see. Lately, I've been baking bread. It's such a simple thing. Welcome for the day without a word Now my house fills with sweet, sweet smells Simple things can wake a weary world and Lately I've been sowing seeds in my own garden They build my bones and taste of sunshine too I wish I'd listened hard To my grandfather A life of sown seeds was all he knew Lately I've been singing songs Instead of all the things That I should do before the day's through it's a sad, sad thing that we all sing too few songs before our time is through. Lately, I've been watching love come through my own front door. We bake bread, sing and dance and drink our fill. Know the dawn and day Carries you away The love we make Is in these old walls still So lately I've been baking bread It's such a simple thing A welcome for the day without a word Now my house fills with sweet, sweet smells Simple things can wake a weary world 
All simple things wake my weary world. In simplicity, we begin to see God's grace and love at work. In faithful presence, we, like Simeon, begin to notice that God is not far away, but present in it all, even in the pandemic. And so I'd like to finish by sharing with you a lovely prayer of praise for Christmas that was called Gloria. It's written by Joy Crowley, and it's a poem in praise of, of the God, Father, Son and Spirit. And I invite you this evening, if you're looking out at the stars, or this afternoon if you get out for fresh air, to just look around and notice, like Simeon did. Here is God with us. So we pray, glorious are you, mystery of life, essence of all creation. You are the symphony of stars and planets. You are the music of the atoms within us. You are the dawn on mountain peaks, the moonlight on evening seas, forest and farm, the rush of the city, everything is embraced in your love. So we rejoice as we sing our gratitude. Glorious are you, O Jesus Christ, cosmic love in human flesh. You grace the smallness of time and place to teach us to dance to the music. You walk in our seas and you heal in our streets. You make your home in our lives revealing that the cross and resurrection are one on the road to freedom. We rejoice as we sing our gratitude. Glorious are you, O spirit of truth, wisdom and breath of our being. You are the wind that sweeps our senses. You are the fire that burns in our hearts. You are the needle of the inner compass, always pointing to true north, guiding us on the sacred dance into the mystery of life. We rejoice as we sing our gratitude. And so we say, together with Simeon, on this special feast day, that with our own eyes, we've seen your salvation, God. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. Alleluia. Alleluia. And welcome back, listeners, to Sacred Space 102 FM, a Come and See Inspirations production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose, and we're delighted to have you with us this morning on this Sunday of the Octave of Christmas. Uh, I hope you enjoyed those reflections uh, earlier. We had earlier on in the programme some wonderful reflections there from Father Conor McDonough, Sister Brophy, Joan Brophy, and uh, our good friend, of course, Noreen Lynch. Delighted to have them. Sister Dolores. Dolores. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I was making wrong signs, sorry. Yeah, yeah. You have no idea how much you enjoy doing that to me, folks. So sorry, Sister Dolores Profi, I beg your pardon. So we come now to the part of the program, which is one of the key parts for us here on Sacred Space 102, which, of course, is our reflection on the Sunday Gospel. And, of course, before we read and reflect on the Sunday's Gospel uh, each week, we have our prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. 
Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Gospel for today, the Feast of the Holy Family, is taken from the Gospel of Luke again at chapter 2, and this time it's verse 22 to 40. When the day came for them to be purified as laid down by the law of Moses, his parents took Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, observing what stands written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male must be consecrated to the Lord, and also to offer in sacrifice in accordance with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now in Jerusalem there was a man named Simeon. He was an upright and devout man. He looked forward to Israel's confidence and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he set eyes on the Christ the Lord. Prompted by the Spirit, he came to the temple. And when the parents brought in the charges to do for him what the law required, he took him into his arms and blessed God. And he said, Now, Master, you can let your servant go in peace, just as you promised, because my eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared for all nations to see. To light... to, to a light to enlighten the pagans and glory of your people Israel. As the child's father and mother stood there wondering at the, the things that had been said about him, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, You see this child? He is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, destined to be a sign that is rejected, and a sword will pierce your own soul too, so that the secret thoughts of many may be laid bare. There was a prophetess also, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well on in years. Her days of childhood over. She'd been married for seven years before becoming a widow. She was now 84 years old and never left the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayer. She came by just at that moment and began to praise God. She spoke of the child to all who looked forward to the deliverance of Jerusalem. And when they'd done everything the law required, they went back to Galilee, to their, own, to their own town of Nazareth. Meanwhile, the child grew to maturity, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favour was with him. So that's the Gospel for today, the Feast of the Holy Family. Shane, you might have a thought or two to share with us, please? Sure, John. Um, so, the Sunday that falls, the first Sunday that falls within, uh, within the Christmas octave is dedicated to the Feast of the Holy Family. So it, liturgically, it's a celebration where we look to the model of the Holy Family and what it has to teach us and offer to us and the encouragement that it has to give us. Now, I suppose one of the challenges with it, of course, is that um, the definition of family very much has there's as many definitions as there are families in the world. Um, it's changing circumstances of life uh, and and are things that will you know define what a family is for many different people. And I suppose when we reflect on the Holy Family, we're talking about Jesus, Mary and Joseph. And, and in particular, what we're looking at in this Sunday's Gospel is them comp- their, our, their adherence to the law of Moses and the recognition of who Jesus actually is by Anna and Simeon. 
Now, we, de- we deliberately left Anna in this morning's gospel. Sometimes um, the shorter version, she's excluded. But we felt that, um, you know, Sam, she, both Simeon and, and Anna have a role to play in today's gospel and the recognition that's accorded to them. And it's important, the, the, this gospel is important in Luke because what it does is it is the fulfillment of the prophecy that is given to the people of God. And God goes up to God's temple. So Jesus goes up to the temple in Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem was the seat of the Most High. So it was God going up to God's house and he's, and his inter, entrance into that house is recognised by Simeon and by Anna. And of course we have that beautiful prayer from the Gospel which is the, the Nuc Dementis, Dementis? Uh, Simeon's prayer uh, which is, Now Master, you can, you can let your servant go in peace just as you've promised because my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared for all nations to see, a light to enlighten the pagans and the glory of your people Israel. And it's interesting as well when we reflect on it, of course, this is before Luke tells us about the Holy Family having to flee to Egypt because of Herod. So it's their completing. They've, they've travelled up from Bethlehem to um, Jerusalem. Now, anyone that's been to the Holy Land knows that's a fair bit of a trek and it's a fair bit of a trek when you're driving it. Can you imagine what it was like going on donkey with a newborn? Um, not exactly the easiest thing in the world to be doing. But as we look at this morning's gospel, I suppose one of the things is, you know, Mary and Joseph are taking their newborn child to the temple in Jerusalem. And they are, when we look at the gospel, I suppose, if, we're, if we ask ourselves, where would we be standing in the temple that morning? Watch this poor couple come in, you know, we know that they were poor because they were only able to offer uh, two turtle doves, which is the, or two young pigeons, which is the, the minimum requirement given under the law of Moses. And they came in to fulfill their their covenant with the Lord and to recognize and to give thanks for the, uh, the blessing that they have in their firstborn son, of course, which is Jesus. And as we reflect on the gospel this morning, I suppose it's a reminder to us that no matter who we are, uh, no matter what our circumstances are, um, there's always something for us to be thankful for. You know, even in these dark times, um, there's always that expression, there's always a silver lining to every cloud. And as we reflect on it this Christmas, I think we're called very much this year to count our blessings. And for those of us that have been blessed with, 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 with good family support, with good friends support over the last couple of months, for us to pause and to think about that and to give thanks to God uh, for that gift. But the other side of that, of course, is then is that there's many people where, who have struggled with that. It's been a lonely, lonely time for many people, particularly Christmas is always lonely. Um, but in particular this year, I suppose it's been more difficult because there's been limits on our ability to mingle and to meet people and, and all the rest of it. So reflecting on the Holy Family this morning, I suppose one of the things I would say to people is that um, Simeon's prayer is very much something that talks to each of us because it's the fulfillment of promises. So both Simeon and Anna were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. They were waiting of the promises that were given to the people of Israel. They were waiting because the people of Israel were waiting for for centuries, um, for many, many, many years. And to this day, um, in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish tradition, they are still waiting for the Messiah to come. As Christians, we believe, obviously, that Jesus is the Messiah. And I suppose as we deal with it and we reflect on it this, this, this year, I suppose it's a reminder to us that even in the darkest times, 
there is a light, that light which Simeon referred to, which has been revealed to us and which we need to seek and we need to find even in the midst of the deepest, darkest gloom that can surround us. And reflecting on the Holy Family this morning, I suppose one of the things we said on the Christmas Day program is we were encouraging people to reflect on the crib this year. And just, you know, it's not, when you look at it, sometimes the presentation of the Holy Family is kind of this, you know, sweet, wholesome family unit, mum, dad, kid. But, you know, if you think about it, she was an unwed, teenaged mother who was living in a country where she could potentially have been stoned to death for having fallen pregnant. Her future husband, or husband-to-be, we're not quite sure how old he was, but there's a possibility that he was quite a good degree older than Mary. That's what the tradition says. Um, so it would have been, you know, older man, maybe 45, 50, marrying a much younger bride. They were a family who had to face persecution, had to pack up what they had and flee across a border. And, you know, obviously as a refugee, you can't carry your house with you. You have only basically what you can carry to support yourself. And that would have been very much reliant on Joseph's skills as a craft person, as a carpenter. So, you know what? She she had to give birth in a stable, not exactly the most hygienic of places to bring forth a child. So if you think about it, sometimes we can wrap the Holy Family in cotton wool and we can have this kind of unrealistic, almost unbelievable view of who and what they are but they were very much a human family that God entered into and was part of and the reminder to us is as we get through this Christmas because there will be times when you want to kill the family over the Christmas period right John and um, (laughs) you know there's the reminder to us that you know this was also the experience of the Holy Family of Israel as well you know the Holy Family of Nazareth I beg your pardon this would have been the experience of Ju- Joseph, Mary and Jesus as well, because they were just as much a human family as the family that we have in good times and in bad, in the trials and tribulations of what it means to be family. So as we reflect on this morning's gospel, I suppose we're also called to remind ourselves to understand and pray for the different types of families that are out there, the, you know, the communities of love that exist, because ultimately that's what family is defined by. And to remind ourselves that we're all part of that greater family of love, which is the communion with God in the Blessed Trinity, a communion of love which we're all called to enter into. Shane, thank you very much indeed for, for sharing those thoughts with us. I suppose at this stage now, it's time for us to go. Um, we thank you very much indeed for, for staying with us again to the, this morning. And this our uh, a program for the Feast of the Holy Family. The last one, I suppose, Shane, I was just thinking in 2020. Yes, actually, now that you say it, it is. It's our last program for 2020. So thanks again, indeed, for, for staying with us. And as Shane said at the start of the program as well, thank you indeed for all your prayers. Please join us again next week, where, believe it or not, we've still got two more uh, people who come to share some thoughts with us on this, uh, on this Christmas season. But now it's time for us to go for our final piece of music. Shane, you picked another piece of music for this morning. So this morning we have a beautiful piece of music from um, a new CD, uh, Christmas in Ireland. And it's sung um, by uh, a guy I know from County Clare. His name is Ger O'Donnell. And um, shout out to Ger this morning. Fabulous um, CD, Ger. And we're going to give you him singing uh, the, Chris- the Wexford Carol. I beg your pardon. 
So until 2021 for myself and Shane. God bless now. Bye. Bye. Christmas time, consider well and bear in mind what our good God for us has done in sending his beloved Son. With Mary holy, we should pray to God with love. This Christmas day in Bethlehem Upon that morn there was a blessed Messiah born Dear Bethlehem, did shepherds keep their flocks of lambs and feeding sheep To whom God's angels did appear Which put the shepherds in great fear Prepare and go, the angels said To Bethlehem, be not afraid For there you'll find this happy morn, a princely babe, sweet Jesus born.